Hey, what's up and welcome to Music and Weights episode number nine. Today, Caroline and I are joined by my friend Talise and we are talking about the future of opera, morning routines, productivity, how to be your best and most powerful self right now in this age of uncertainty and how to find opportunity in a world that presents us with a lot of uncertainty. Check it out. All right, let's go right back to what we were just saying. When you okay. go seven, if, if you're normally getting up at 6.30 and then that 6.30 becomes 7.30, what's that like? Well, it's actually 6 a.m. to be ready up and like actually meditating, journaling, the schedule, like the morning routine starts at 6.30, so I gotta get up at six, because I procrastinate a little bit. Well, yeah, um, and, if you, and if you're rushing through that stuff, it's like it, it, you get a quarter of the value out of it. Okay, so yeah. what's that? Yeah. Right there, right there Talise. Everybody wants to know about the morning routine. Okay, so what got you into morning routines? You're even thinking about that as a thing. And then what is your morning routine? So morning routine, if I'm honest, really began about almost 16 years ago <laughs> when my son was born. Um, it has shifted since, it's always evolving, but the purpose, the intention is always there, but how that morning routine actually functions, it, it shifts from year to year, season to season, it depends. Um, I mean, COVID, it was about morning routine for survival, just to stay grounded, to stay centered, um, to have some certainty in uncertainty. Mm -hmm. uh, but the basics have always been there. I mean, I get up in the morning, first thing I do, it's really, I just, I always have a glass of hot water with lime every morning. Um, and I just sort of like meander my way into the kitchen, get the kettle boiling, stuff like that. Uh, I try to make a list the night before of things that I wish to accomplish. And I write everything down and then tell myself, you're going to let go of the fact that you're probably not going to do some of this. So if I get, if I check off like 75%, that's a success. But I admit that my lists are probably chocker blocks so that my 75 feels, I'm a Virgo, it's hard. So, <laughs> how, um, <laughs> how, how, how big is your list? Like you're getting 75% done out of how many things? You give yourself well they like this morning there are like 20 action items okay but then they're like little sub things are those 20 are those everyday things or are they 20 things that are unique to the 28th of september um five of them are always so hot water meditation, journal set intention, that's always, and a workout. Always, always, always. Um, the workout has to happen before 10 a.m. or it's not gonna happen. Ooh, <laughs> I learned yeah. that about myself that, I mean, some people can work out at night. Some people, they don't, it's like whenever they get it, some people feel great and it's like their thing at night. Um, as you know, Michael, I live with an athlete. He likes to do this workout like, at like 10 o'clock at night thing. He's gonna be that guy that's like oh. in the, those, you know, those 24 hour gyms that's like there at 1 a.m. That's gonna be my son. He's, I, I don't he's 16 and 
Uh, I I did. The, I think the last time that I was like in the gym at, at 1 a.m. was probably oh my god, like one of the first times I was really getting serious, like five six years ago. Yeah. And when he gets more organized, as I have been <laughs> trying to do, that's been my coronavirus thing. When he gets more organized, he will see the light that beating the sun up and working out as the sun is coming up is like one of the biggest gifts you can give yourself. Yeah, I think once you turn 30, you realize the, those 3 a.m. workouts, those oh, workouts, yeah. it's not happening. Oh, you gotta have your sleep. <laughs> I'm so boring. Like, everyone's like, oh, wow, you seem so excited. I'm like, oh, by 10, it's it's a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I kind of, I say that I get up at 6, but I usually wake up before my alarm, which is like around 5.30, because that's when it's like quietest in the house. So I sort of start you get like getting out of bed, putting your feet on the floor is a multi-layer process. Yeah. <laughs> how, how often out of the week do you hit snooze? If you, or rather, if you guess if you're waking up to an alarm, how many days out of the week are you getting up before your alarm? Do you have like, uh, like streaks? Like you do like two days of just totally perfect and then you three days of sleep until seven? Uh, I don't think I ever... Wow. Not get up out. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have my schedule, and then I'm, I'm mom responsible, momager of an athlete. So, uh, if there's an 8 a.m. game, like there was on Saturday, I mean, you should have seen me. They're like laughing at me. So we're we're playing with a new baseball team now. So I've got like my laptop set up. I've got my hotspot. I've got my score, and they're like, um, and I was like. Don't mind me. You'll get this. Was Sam pitching or not? I'm sorry? Was Sam pitching? Uh, Sam was not pitching that at that 8 a.m. game. What a perfect time to learn music. I mean, I prefer, I've actually learned that filming him, because now that has fallen to me, to get all this footage, filming him actually is, it's better to look at him through the lens because there's a, little bit of distance so I don't get as anxious anymore so I realized that like the minute I look at it in real life I'm like oh god that was a ball <laughs> you know and I'm like but if I'm looking at it through the camera I'm good so that that's a new thing but I mean it's necessity I've always kind of done it I mean I'm if I'm not at a baseball field I'm on stage so literally the times like morning routine or my workouts are the only thing that's really mine. So I have to hold to those because I don't know, people, I, like, I know a lot of people that think that self-care is self-indulgent. I'm like, no, it's necessity. It's like an it, oil change. You're just, yeah, I was like, yeah, or like, or, or yeah, maybe you're right. It, it is indulgent, but it like, but if, if you're calling indulgent, like working out, getting up early, taking time to like center yourself and figure out what you really want in the world and yeah. have it this day, Okay, everyone should be super indulgent. Everyone should be doing that. I mean, yeah, that's wrong with that. Yeah, I that, that I mean, that was the only that was my main purpose when we were in the height of the pandemic was just get centered, whatever that meant, however that looked. Um, I know there were a lot of singers that were like, "Oh, we're doing living room concerts, and I'm just gonna sing the role that I was meant to sing anyway." And I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm just gonna, you know." get to my garden, take advantage of the things that I'm always complaining that I don't have time to do. Yeah. Um, because that's what we do. I mean, you're, you're on the road and you're like, oh, I never have time to read or, oh, I, you know, I'm missing all my kids' birthdays or I'm, you know, I was actually on a, another podcast um, 
talking about being vegan, the transition to vegan. And I was like, you know, what if 2020 was the best thing that ever happened to us? I mean, we all had to slow the hell down. Yeah. You didn't have a choice. And I mean, I don't know, I guess I'm a little old fashioned in that sense. I mean, I'm just a Southern girl at heart, but people were cooking more. People yeah. were at the table more. Um, you know, your kids weren't on devices because Wi-Fi was stretched to the max because everyone was at home. So people stopped, people put their devices down and actually had conversations. Everyone had binge watched everything on Netflix. So people were playing board games. I don't know. I'm just saying maybe that I, doesn't sound bad to me. It was really good. I've, I've never like made such an effort for, uh, up, or rather up until then, I had never made such an effort and been so appreciative of just like the time to be on a call with friends. I've never talked to friends and family more and more. Yes, the connections. I mean, just pouring into that instead of all the distractions was, I mean, to me has been great. I mean, yes, has it, has it been difficult? Has it been painful? Absolutely. Um, but I think the way through that is for me has been through my routine, through my workouts, um, just keeping myself sane and the rest would fall into part because that's what I can control. So more structure, more sanity. Yes, absolutely. So what, what did you read? <laughs> Sorry? What did you read? Like you were gardening. And then Oh, um, I read a lot of things. So there's a actually a couple of things on my desk that I realize I need to change out. So Mindset by Carol S. Dweck. Here we have it. <laughs> love that book. Love, love, love that book. Um, Marie Forleo, Everything is Figureoutable. Mm. Such a good book. Um, <laughs> this one's a little funny. One Million Followers, How to Get a Million Followers on Instagram in 30 Days. <laughs> hey, that's, listen, it, I resisted social media for so long, just being like, if I focus on social media, like I am vain and vapid and talentless. It's like, no. Or you're just smart. Like if you have something no. this morning that said like, if you have an, if you are elite at something or like you really believe that you are top tier talented, whatever that thing is, you owe it to yourself and that talent to become an expert at sales and marketing. Yeah. Well, not only that, but that's like, it's become whether, you know, you, you like to admit it or not, it is a part of our communication now. Um, and I think that we need to be mindful about how we use that communication tool. Um, not only that, but again, I di digress to my athlete. I mean, we've had to seriously police and talk about Instagram and, um, you know, Twitter and all of that stuff, because what you put out today is the thing that will nip you in the butt when you're 21 and just about to go to the show. And they're like, oh, so what are we down get, here? They're about to get nominated for an SB or whatever, like, later than it's crazy like because it's not for us so much I mean we're sort of in our generation is like inching into that but I realized you know I was talking to my son I said look your generation is the first generation that will have their whole lives on the internet yeah. like from birth to death someone will be able to track you yeah. I was like, you gotta go to a grandma and ask for baby pictures of me. I mean, they're not online. I mean, they're not online. Or you can, be, you can find them on Ancestry.com. You'd be surprised. 
that's true. That is true. Um, but <laughs> I just, uh, that, so that was one of them. Um, oh, another one is Fear is My Homeboy. That's a great book. Um, yeah, about bossing up on your own terms. So a couple of things that I did in quarantine um, was learn how to make spelt sourdough. And I also um, began my certification to holistic plant-based medicine and nutrition, yeah, uh, which I've always been fascinated in. And I also made myself a business. So I'm officially now that vegan soprano. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's, I'm very preoccupied with branding these days and branding in my own way and carving my own path, which has always been sort of odd and not the original path anyway. So I just, I kind of got back to who I am anyway. I was like, I don't really care if other opera singers don't get why I love working out or <laughs> because, you know, or, or why I'm obsessed with, you know, plant-based food. I, I don't, it's okay. I mean, if it's not for you, it's fine. You can always go look at someone else's page. But I find that when you are authentic to yourself, you find your people, i.e. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, we tend to find each other, like when we're on jobs and things. Like another, um, another buddy who's also equally obsessed with weightlifting and working out, uh, Sam Levine, um, is he's in Germany now with his wife and beautiful baby. But um, we find each other. We, f we find each other. Yeah. So, um, I think I can hear Freddie Valentine. <laughs> Freddie Valentine. Oh yes. And it's like, when you get to work, it's like, did you work out? <gasps> you already went to the gym. It's like, you well, know, it's <laughs> Freddie has his, he has, um, his non-negotiables, which is like his version of a morning routine that he does, which is like, nope, every day got this. And a big part of that is like X amount of something physical. Yeah. So can I mean, you, you move your body, you change your mindset. It is like no one ever regrets a workout. Yeah. So I had a question. I had a, you, you mentioned that your path to where you are right now is not so traditional. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that. What made it non-traditional? Um, well, I always say, I mean, I, I realized it. And so I, when people ask and they say, oh, so when did you know you wanted to be a singer? And um, I didn't. I mean, it came really late. In fact, it was just a means to get to New York. I started as a dancer uh, and I tore my ACL. Um, and then the summer before my senior year, I realized that I didn't have a plan which really is not okay in my family of overachievers. So all my uncles and everyone either went to uh, Stanford or Berkeley. So we were a house divided, lots of arguing. Um, and I had passed out of all my credits. At one point I thought I wanted to go into law. And I remember going to take your daughters to work day with my godmother who was an attorney and I get to her office and I'm like, okay, so what time are we going to court? And she's like, mm, we're in corporate law. So she's like, here it is. And I was like, this is so not sexy. Like you just got stacks of paper everywhere. And she's like, yeah, welcome to corporate law. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So um, I then 
got to my senior year and you're not allowed to have three free periods because I tested out of everything. So it was either I hurry up and finish everything and just finish high school early or I pick an elective. And home ec, I was going to be damned if I was doing, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm nobody's cook, no one's housewife, no. So I, um, so, I mean, we had a huge, a massive music program in my high school. I was really fortunate. So we had a jazz band, uh, we had a marching band, we had a chamber orchestra, we had a full orchestra. I mean, we always put on musicals. So um, if you, I, I was dancing in Oklahoma, so you'd fake sing, you know what I mean? You know, they're like, oh, just mouth the words. Whatever. So, um, <laughs> which always makes me laugh when I think about you and Glimmer Glass that oh. summer. Just side note. <laughs> like, I was like, this ballet is taking way too long. <laughs> I totally shifted to the other side. Best part of the show for me. <laughs> yes, because it's a break. <laughs> um, but so I said, you know what? I'll, I'll just like sign up for one of the chorus things. That'll be easy. And um, somehow I, end, I ended up with like a solo. I mean, I, re I think I asked my choir director maybe like five years ago, I was like, why did you pick me? He was like, you were like next on the list. <laughs> it wasn't because I thought you, I mean, I had never sung, so. You were like naturally the loudest one? <laughs> no, I mean, I was like the cheer, I was a cheerleader. I was everything but a singer. Right. So, um, I mean, I was just doing it because it seemed the easiest, most natural do you remember well, the one? Yeah. Your solo? Uh, yeah, it was in the Foray Requiem. Oh, it was oh. like not small. It was like huge. <laughs> so, um, I mean, uh, like I'm trying to think about high school doing Foray Requiem. <laughs> yes, I'm telling. We, we were like, we were a big deal. They still are. Um, so you, I decided Los Altos, Los Altos High School. Uh, okay, okay. I'm also. Yeah. I'm. I went to Menlo. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> my best friend went to Los Altos High. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I yeah. mean, so my mom went to Menlo. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. That is so. Oh my god. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> That's like I mean, yeah, because when you like mention Los Altos, Menlo, Pali, yeah. I mean, those are very specific. You've got to be a barrier girl to know like what I'm yeah, talking. Yeah, about. yeah. <laughs> That's so. Oh my god, it's so awesome. Yeah, my best friend played water polo at Los Altos High. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, our water polo team was. Yeah. Like, yeah. She went to. She ended up going to Michigan and playing. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I know. I spent a lot of. I went to high school dances at the Los Altos High. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about then. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so they had a big music department. Yeah. Huge. So. um yeah, I happened into this like solo and I was like, ooh, I'm a senior. I can't, I, this has got to be good. Like, I'm the homecoming queen. I can't mess this up. So, on. <laughs> so I went to take, uh, he had recommended uh, the choir director, um, a woman to me, to take some lessons from. Her name was Paige Swift. She was a mezzo in the San Francisco Opera Chorus. So I go to Paige, who lives in Palo Alto who lived in Palo Alto. And, um, and you know, we get it, like she's literally like teaching me this so I mean, because I don't sing, I don't read music, nothing. So she goes, darling, I think you should audition for the Juilliard School. And I was Juilliard. like, hang on sister. I was like, we're gonna pay you. You don't, you don't need to blow any smoke. You're gonna get paid either way. I just need to like get through this. I don't, let's, let's not 
start setting airs. And she's like, no, I really think you should think about it. So, you know, maybe three weeks in, I'm like, but if I went to Juilliard, I would still be in New York City just across the courtyard because I had gotten early acceptance into ABT, which I had to decline. Oh, cool. Um, which, I mean, in hindsight is like the greatest gift ever because I would have been like done like 20 years ago. So, um, but, so I say, I learned this solo and I think, oh, well, maybe I will audition. I ended up not auditioning for Juilliard. I auditioned for Manhattan School of Music. Um, I did not tell my mother. Because my mother said, you weren't auditioning for Juilliard or that you were auditioning, period? That I, I didn't tell her that I was auditioning for Manhattan School of Music. Okay. Juilliard, she was okay with because she knew it was the yeah. same sort of system. But I really didn't, I don't know, there was something about, it's not like I had any real strong information either. It was just, I didn't like the book. I like the MSM book better. I don't know. Um, Marketing and branding. There you go. <laughs> See, it matters. <laughs> um, so, but my mother was very against Manhattan School of Music because it was just, I mean, it's in the old Juilliard building. It's just a building in the New York City. Like, there's no dorm. There's no nothing. They had like an arrangement for the first 20 freshmen to live in this apartment building with a, like a block of apartments that they had. But it wasn't really a dorm situation. So that was, there's just too much uncertainty about that for my mother. And she was like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. So I lied and told her that it was like an audition for like just general scholarship which it did turn out to be scholarship. I do tell her that all the time. I'm like, hey, it did lead to a scholarship. So it's not totally untrue. But um, when we got to the audition in San Francisco, she realizes we're walking in and says, oh, Manhattan School of Music. And she looked at me. <laughs> we're so grounded when we get out of here. So I actually got accepted and offered a scholarship on the spot, on the spot by James Gandry and grounded for the summer before my college year. Again, so much time to learn music and practice. <laughs> yeah, I Good was like, yeah. who, who gets grounded the summer after they graduate from high school? I don't know. I would not have this. I would have broken out. Yeah. So, okay, I, so, so you, go to, you go to MSM. Then. I go to MSM. I ended up studying with Adele Addison, which was his recommendation, um, which was probably the best thing I ever did. Um, in terms of being a musician. Um, I mean, we talked about it just this past week in Cincinnati. Uh, I learned to sing through leader and melody and chamber music um, and orchestral works uh, because that was Adele's forte. Um, it wasn't that she was against opera, but she is a huge champion of new works. I mean, um, Lenny Bernstein referred to her as his favorite instrument. So she has a picture of him. She had a picture of him in her living room where he was kissing her throat. So, wow. yeah, yeah. Big, uh, big Leonard Bernstein fans in this household. I have yeah, absolutely. Have absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, I really learned I mean, it was, it was terrifying because I didn't, I felt like a fraud for like the whole, like talk about imposter syndrome, the entire like first year of my education, because here I'm at like Manhattan school and everyone's coming in with their cello cases and they've been going to, you know, Saturday prep school forever. And, um, you know, I was just like, 
Yeah, I just wanted to get out of California. <laughs> That's why I'm here. I know two songs, like a song <laughs> and an aria. Um, but you, you know, the struggle was good. Uh, it taught me a lot. I had to learn from the ground up how to like read music. I had to go in and teach myself how to learn to practice. Um, and some of those processes are still, they still stick with me today, but um, which I've realized as I get back into like work again, full, full speed ahead. I'm like, wow, they're really just, I have not found a faster process that works for me. Wait, so we'll share, what is the fast process? I mean, like when I'm memorizing work, literally, um, I don't have any here readily at me in my office, but like I get uh, the little notebooks, like the, you know, like for school, like, you know, they're just yeah. like books up. And I literally just have to write text. Like that's the only way I know to memorize it. It's not any faster. Um, and I will, I get a new book for every new role or new whatever I'm doing. And I will literally just write and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite the text over and over again until it sticks. Are and some and translation. Um, I will start with the translation, and then as the translation and the if it's like in French or in Italian, as it becomes fluid, yeah. then I just stop and I just start writing it. And so then um, the process is when I can write it without writing the text. That's the next step. Then when I can just write it without having to refer back, that's the next step. And then when I can write it and then look at it and hear the notes, then I know I'm like. Okay, I'm good. How so, many, how many uh, lines? Like, how many times do you repeat the same line of text to write it? Like, from the first time to the last time, how many before it's totally baked into your brain? It's probably different every time, yeah. Yeah, it depends, like, on what sticks. Um, if it's German, probably a million. Um, if it's French or Italian, it comes pretty quickly. I mean, you know, once you've learned like the first thousand words, it's like it kind of repeats. I mean, I sing all standard rep when it comes to Italian things and French rep. So it's like once, you know, it's like a video and. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question about, I was, I had a question about how you came to mainly singing standard rep. Did you make choices to like, did you envision yourself only singing lead? Because you sing a lot of leading ladies, and that's a it's a I, beautiful I, privilege. And I, I imagine it, I, it takes some planning. I imagine it takes saying no to certain things. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering how you managed that. You know, I actually did not choose the okay. standard rep. Um, I actually do a lot of contemporary. I mean, I've managed to keep a foot in both worlds. Right. Um, I insist on, in fact, like even choosing my management, we were always very clear on what I wanted to do, which is to not be pigeonholed. Mm. Um, so when someone says, oh, you know, which do you prefer, like contemporary music or the standard ladies? And I said, I prefer good music, period. Yeah. Um, I think that one, wash, one hand washes the other. So, um, there's a part of me that feels a sense of accomplishment when I've learned a new role. Um, I like the freedom of performing a new role that has no stamp on it already. So I have the liberty to create it myself. Um, I mean, and that kind of started, that ha 
I'd probably say it started with Moby Dick and um, working with Jake. Right. Um, I mean, it's been hard, I will tell you, to, to straddle both. It gets easier now because I think people know me for singing Butterfly and Mimi, but they know that I do do new works as well. Like, um, I, I just sort of fell in with, once I did Moby Dick with Jake, that sort of led to working with David T. Little and Royce Vavrick, which was JFK, which led to, um, I'd also always been a, I've been a part of the American, um, the American uh, Symphony Project up at, at Albany Symphony, which is how I met Missy Mazzoli. Um, and I was just fangirling her. I was like, literally like obsessed and What's like- What's happening in her brain? I'm sorry? What is going on in her brain that makes- Oh, it's insane, right? God, when I like seeing, uh, seeing uh, proving up at, at AOI, <laughs> I was just like, I was extraordinarily gripped. It was like watching yeah. um, something on, you know what it felt like? It felt like watching like Last Train, we just watched the movie Last Train to Busan, very intense zombie apocalypse movie mixed with yeah. like, something on Netflix. It's just- Wait, where did you see it? Um, I saw it uh, here at DC, at WNO. Oh, okay. So have you, you, you need to, it's, it's coming. So you need to see, our production that was in Omaha and that went to, came to New York City. You guys in, uh, it was you and John. Moore. And John Moore, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and uh, yeah, it's great. Well, I think between Missy's, between Missy's mind, Royce's words, and then James Dara, James Dara's direction. I mean, it's like Quentin Tarantino meets opera. So, you know, what? Uh, Royce is a really cool guy. He kind of gives off like that he's that that's like very much like it's very influenced by cinema. I get that his whole everything is very like his own style and it's very like cinematic and cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a crazy story, too. I mean, he's from Canada and he's like from like way out in Canada, too, where like you wouldn't even think that you would see like more than like 20 humans in a day kind of Canada. Um, but he's like so like, like well read. I mean, like the books, his mom, I mean, he's just an artist. I mean, he just soaks up information and movies and he's just, he's so lovely and fascinating. We're actually working on another project as well, which watch the space um, that I'm commissioning, but Getting into that I'm commissioning. Let's <laughs> hold on. Let's back up. Vegan Soprano Mogul. Okay, you're commissioning it. Are you? We're in the early. We're in the early stages, but yes, we are in talks with um, a couple of a couple of opera companies. I mean, this is the time to be. I'm happy that I never really fit. That I felt like I never fit because this is the time for people who are movers and shakers, thinkers who are not in the box. I always encourage, um, you know, young singers to just not get, don't fall into that, like that trap of like, I didn't do this young artist program. I, I didn't do any young artist programs, none. I mean, they're, they're, I didn't get into a single one. And um, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, I think being true to your talent and your artistry, believing in what you have to say is what matters. Um, I, 
particularly now, I encourage a lot of kids because I feel like we're in a time of classical music where everyone wants to put out the next Brunhilde. Everyone wants to be Mimi. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but guess what? You know, only the top 20 girls are getting called for that job. And they already know that they're coming back to do that. So you're not, you're not even going to cover that role. What else can you do? We have, like, we're at, we're at this time where we have all this social media and we're discovering that there are plenty of other ways to put out content and music that we were stupid enough to believe couldn't be done. Well, guess what? The Mets closed, but they're producing things. You know, I just went and filmed a concert with the symphony and Cincinnati Opera. I mean, and it was a full concert and everyone's like, oh, how are you doing that? I'm like, there's a full on crew there. And we we shot it like it was cinematic and you people are producing in their homes. People, I mean, now's the time to start getting back to recital, to get to concert work, start learning that oratorial, because guess what? That's the art form that's gonna survive when we have to be socially distanced. So if you've never thought about any of that music, you need to be thinking about that because Bohem, Traviata, it's not happening anytime soon. It's, it's just not. I mean, now we've seen that the Mets made their announcement. So, you know, we're gonna brace ourselves that's such an interesting decision. I, I, I just, if I take them as, as a barometer of the industry and, and what the, at least in America, what they're thinking. And it just seems to me so like you've got, you've got so many new audience members during the lockdowns and the, the quarantine. Then the ones that already existed got even more into you because you were the only, because you weren't charging for the service and you basically gave this thing away for free that people loved. And if they already loved it, now they love it more. And you're backed by lots of billionaires. Like there are solutions. I just, I don't understand how you can just throw in the towel like that. That, that doesn't even require a comment. That's, that's my statement. Caroline does not need to endorse that. You don't endorse that. I'm just saying, putting that out there. No, I mean, no, I will just say this. This problem existed well before the pandemic. The pandemic has just highlighted a lot of things. I always tell people to, um, along with voting, I'm like, don't just think you can vote for a president and everything is, is solved. You need to vote on the policies. You need to vote on local government. You need to know what's going on locally in your government because that's going to affect you more immediately. Yeah. I also think it's very easy to just sit back and and say, this is what I think, this is what I think they could have done, or this is, you know what I mean? It's so easy to, without having held the position to just, you know, be an expert on it. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Peter, is, sorry we, Peter Gell. We really don't know. But I do so. think I could do your job. I, I, I encourage everyone to read the Financial Times yeah. and <laughs> look at Moody's Investor Services and ratings of particular uh, companies around, because it is a business first. Yeah. And um, if you've not run your business correctly, then the pandemic will tell on you. <laughs> well, that's a great way of putting it. Ooh. Wow. Okay, so you, so where do you think, I guess, like, you think that opera is really, or what do you think is going to be, let me think about it like this. We know where the puck is. Where is the puck going to in terms of opera and uh, in terms of people consuming it? or being on the other side, a person, a part of the industry, a singer? Um, 
Look, I, I definitely think that opera is going to come back. It's I, I, I'm not all doom and gloom, but I think it will be different. And I think that we cannot fool ourselves into thinking that it won't be different. And change is good. It's painful, but change is good. Um, the cream always rises to the top. And it's one of the reasons why I agreed to team up with the Atlanta Opera, because I like the idea of being part of showing what's possible and I mean because we can't just sit here and be scared someone has to forge ahead and figure out how we're going to get back to the theater right I mean otherwise we'll just sit here wringing our hands we've done that for like a year enough of that um I mean we are literally in rehearsal um we are making it work we are the company players are like a pod um we've you know teamed up with doctors and so we're all being tested and um, still socially distancing, but we're in rehearsal. Um, and it's exciting. Like I, I came back from Cincinnati, so I am not in the rehearsal room because I am quarantining um, for the next five days, but I'm, I'm in the room via our streaming link, um, which is great. So covers can be there. You can hear what's going on. I mean, we're chatting in the comment box. I mean, it's, there are ways to move forward. Um, the singer's mask apparently is brilliant. Uh, thank you, Broadway. What is this? It's Broadway that's making the headway. I digress. Um, because they're a for-profit industry. That's why. <laughs> Opera needs to be not uh, needs to be for-profit in America if we want to have success and innovation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, but it's nice. I mean, we've they we've been sort of genius in figuring out how to put on a production of Pagliacci. I mean, we're in a live tent. Um, we are divide. I mean, it's actually kind of cool to to figure out ways to be socially distanced but still relate on stage, which I think is only for the better for artists because you push yourself in new boundaries. You can't just rely on the tunes and standing there and singing. You've got to actually act, which I think opera needs. You so are, are you, an actor. Are you like, yeah, how are you guys doing? You know, there's a lot of getting right up close in Pagliacci. How are you guys, so what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, how is this? Tell no. about it. Uh, like I, I'm, I, mean, I can't give away all of the details because uh, yeah. we'll see if it's going to be filmed. Um, but as well as being live performances as well. But um, so we're in a tent, uh, a, a massive circus tent, which has been erected to keep everyone socially distanced. Um, there is a stage with different sections uh, and some, there is some, we are using vinyl because actually vinyl is better, is better acoustically than plexi. Just FYI, um, we've learned that it's just it's a better sound production. So, sing to the wall. <laughs> um, but uh, so some in some instances we are divided and completely separate. I mean, most often we are. If we are in the center part of the stage, there's still always six feet, uh, and we are in masks. Um, the singer's mask. If you're in your plexiglass sort of tower, then you don't have to have the mask. Um, they've gone through great lengths to figure out how to keep the distance. Um, and it's sort of a modern take 
on Pagliacci, um, bringing in, you know, modern ideas. I mean, it's, uh, it's exciting. I mean, I first I was like, mm, how's this going to work? But I have to admit, I'm, I'm sold. I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's cute. You know, we are FaceTiming at times and, um, Oh, in the opera? In the opera. Yeah. They're FaceTiming and, uh, yeah. And even in combat, I mean, we're still, we've, we've managed to make it work. So. Okay, so when are we going to be able to see it? What's, uh, um, we open, uh, we open in October and we run through November. So, um, it's at Oglethorpe University. Tickets are on sale now. And you know what? What's exciting is that I think we're almost like 40% sold already, like pre-ticket. In person? Mm-hmm. For in person. So people clearly want to come back to the theater. People are like, oh, please. I mean, and that's what we haven't, I mean, we're still in the rehearsal process. So, you know, there's always the big advertisement push, but this is like even before they're, right. We're, we're doing really well. So that's encouraging. Um, but it's nice to be a part of showing that it's possible. Listen, not every company is going to be able to do this, but at least it sets the standard for many companies to make the decision on figuring out how to do it because someone has to be the first. You know, we can't just keep doing just concerts. We've got to find a way around it because at this point, we don't know when the end of all this nonsense is. Yeah. So wear your freaking mask so we can get through this. <laughs> or you can do it, do what we do. It's just, just don't, don't leave. <laughs> yeah, just don't go. Just don't, Very little yeah. interaction. I mean, so I moved from one hotbed to the other, like in the height of the pandemic, right? So everyone's like, oh, I mean, aren't you just like, how do you feel about this whole thing? And I said, so I'm from New Jersey. And I was like, just put on your mask. When you go on the floor, just put on your mask so we can get through this, you know? Hey, please. I was like, if, if you just wear your mask when you go in the store and you're in close perimeters of someone else, we can get through this faster. And they're like, oh, I mean, look, and I say this with all love because A, my family is from the South and I am now living in the South, again, um, ish. Atlanta's the South-ish. It's South, but it's still, but, um, they don't, it's, it's the South, but I, I'm, I'm realizing that there are more people from up North and from like Chicago, like New Jersey, New York, Chicago, and some Floridians, but I was like, so. It's a very heavy. metropolitan city. Very metropolitan. Yeah, yeah. Anybody, was anybody born here? <laughs> uh, there's yeah, a exactly. lot of, I think that doesn't Atlanta or I know Georgia gives uh, like a lot of like tax breaks, at least to the film industry. And I think it's gotta be a, couple of other industries because I will see companies are just like based there, but I know that the people who work there are not there. So there's gotta be some, some reason for that influx. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, look, there's a lot, I mean, I love it. There's a lot of, I mean, once I, you know, well, we all travel around the world anyway, so we see other places, but I have to say like getting out of the New York, New Jersey area, I was like, Oh wow, you can have space and a garden and not have to like pay your entire like child's arm and leg as well. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I always tell, I tell people, I was like, look, if you don't have to be in New York, that, that idea of living in New York to be a singer and audition season, what audition season? There's no audition season. So, <laughs> you know, go have a life and 
be happy and go into New York when you need to go into New York, when it makes sense to go into New York. Um, I, but I, I love the change. But that being said, like, there's something about Southerners. They're like, we're done. We gave you our eight weeks, Rona, we're done. And I'm like, I get it, but we're still having a flare up. So can we just kind of comply a little bit so we just get out of this so everyone can go back to work and cabin? Stay open. If you want to not have just all of this mess anymore, just, just do it. <laughs> I mean, masks are getting really cute now. So just throw on a mask. I mean, everyone's like, oh my God, you flew for the first time. Like, was it weird? I was like, no, I always have a singer's mask. Like, you know, like, I was like, what? It's the same that I've always done. It's just, what airline? Um, I am strictly Delta because that's where all my miles are. Uh, and this is the hub. And there are five more flights to London than there were when I was up and forth in New York. Um, so it's much easier because my management's in the UK. And I do, one day, I will get back to Europe again. Um, but yeah, so it was, I mean, this move for us was was just a good move all around. We have family down here. His base, my son's baseball is down here. Um, it's just easier for me to get around. Uh, and Delta, I have to say, is like legit on top of the whole cleaning. It's like you get in, they had they immediately they're handing you wipes. They like wipe everything down. We've cleaned it, but you know you they want you to wipe down when you get in there. I mean, you can smell the bleach, which I like. So. <laughs> Probably it's never been a, probably like never been a safe I, or you know I I sucked from a couple of times I figured you know what it's probably the safest place to be because those companies like they are are desperate they know that one thing like they're not going to be telling you that they're cleaning it and not cleaning it like they are going all in yeah I mean and they're making it work so um, I mean you know I, I'm cautious but I'm not going to drive myself crazy about it because I think you're health, the onus of your health is on you. Um, so I've always been big on taking care of my own immunity for my own self. I wasn't leaving it to anyone else. So um, I am of the camp that if you are doing what you need to do to take care of yourself and you're practicing you know, safe social distancing, then why do you need to panic? Yep, you control um, what you can control. Control what you can control. Okay, so Teresa, I got a question for you. Yeah. You're super organized, super disciplined, and like have been that way for a long time. What do you do Most when days. life gets in the way? When you when you fall off, as people as people say, how do you get back on? What is your inner dialogue there? Um. Yeah. I mean, the falling off it happens, and I try to be honest about that. Um. Yeah, I mean, in fact, you know, I've made posts about times when I've fallen off um, because I'm just so sick of everyone living their best life on Instagram, which is so not true. Um, you know, I made a post the other day. I was like, what does it, do the likes really matter if your life on Instagram is not even really what your real life is? Like, are you doing it for likes? No, be live a, live a life of honesty. So, um I mean, it like life gets complicated. Um, you know, I'm 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 a single parent. I'm the mother of an athlete 
who has a somewhat of a career that has to be managed. I mean, people are like, oh, does he play an instrument? I'm like, no, he's a pitcher, a left-handed pitcher. That's like raising a tenor. So we don't, have any time, we don't have any time for music. I mean, between keeping his things straight and then my own career, um, you know, and it's, and it's getting increasingly busier for him, life gets in the way. And then the pandemic hit. So you kind of find a new normal. And now we're getting back into the other normal, which requires another shift. So yes, have things, um, sometimes things get away. Like last week, I mean, I was just like, okay, this week has to be about managing Scheherazade, Chanson de Bilitis, and the four catch poems um, of Dulage. I was like, it's, that's, sorry, that's the priority. Um, and that's okay. I think you need to allow yourself the grace and then like just acknowledge it and forget it and move on and reset. Every day you need to restart and not think about yesterday. That was done. It's like the bad high note. It's like, okay, that was the last, you know, that was the last act. We still got two more to go. So they're not going to remember that. And you shouldn't remember that either. So for me, like even like last night, I literally, we were sitting and, um, in the living room because on Sunday nights we have like a what we call fam the corporate meeting the family corporate meeting cool. <laughs> and we talk about like schedules because it's just I don't know it's because I, I he's older now and so we talk about being organized I'm trying to teach him how to be more organized because in a few short years he's either going to draft and be on his own or he's going to be on his own in college so and being a, an athlete in college is not just going off to college. So you are managing like another career. Um, and we were talking about that, like we have to be more disciplined. He's like, I've got to like no more sleeping in, no more hitting the snooze. He was like, I'm going to get my work. He goes, I'm going to do like, I'm going to switch my workouts to earlier like you do. And I was like, yeah. And then you have the rest of the day, you know, to think about just your other kind of training, the other aspect of, training as a player so literally like we're going down our lists and I was like okay no more 6 30 I can't mm -mm. it's got to be before the alarm I gotta stick to that gotta get up get all that stuff done before the monster gets up because then I have to put on that hat because now he's at school at home so before he was leaving the house and I had like all the house to myself and it was quiet. I was like, okay, have my coffee, sit down with my manager and talk to her. Like, I mean, we usually talk early because she's in the UK. So um, you have to be flexible and give yourself grace, but you also have to like not fall into like, don't settle for that's okay. You know what I mean? Like I, I always, I'm like, okay, you fell off, but you know how to do this. So, Come Sunday night, we're meal prepping um, and back on it. And you figure out what didn't work last week and you adjust so that next week is better. Mondays, I always think, say, thank God it's Monday because I it's like, Monday. I love Mondays. Mondays are so optimistic. It's like, yes. I love Monday. Like days of the week, like they're just, you know, arbitrary. We just like gave them a name, but we're all conditioned to be like on this schedule. And it's yeah. like, cool. I get to do this week just a little bit better than I did last week. Yes. That fires it's, me up. It's all, I, for me, it's like always like your personal best. Like set your, like what's the next, where else can you level up this week? Okay, so that didn't work. Throw that out. Okay, Monday. New start, new goals, new everything. I love Mondays. So that, Talise, 
before we wrap up, yeah. what is your intention for the day, but also like for the week? Like, what are you hoping that you want to get done this week? This week, I have added in a new practice. I've, I've just started like 21 days. I always give myself challenges. So I'm doing like 21 days of meditation. Ooh, and it's a, yeah, it's a non-negotiable to meditate for, I'm starting with 10 minutes because I know I can manage 10 minutes. And there are studies that say it doesn't have to be, you know, I think people think meditation is really hard and I can't sit that still. I don't think it needs to be that long. I mean, I think it's like when I tell people when you're starting a new goal, like, okay, instead of talking about cutting out something, why don't you look at it more as like just adding something back in that's better. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm gonna start with 10 minutes every morning. Um, got up before six and uh, sat down and I just like already like, you know, I was texting, I was like, oh, okay, so am I missing a link? Are we on? Like I was actually ready for 8.30, whereas like probably a couple weeks ago, 8.30 would come around, I was like, okay. And I'm like, just sort of setting my intention for the day. And I was like, ah, this feels too late. Like I've missed, I've missed everything already. So um, yeah, I've added that into my morning list of like things to just ask. So then now instead of four, there's five. Um, and I personally need, I realized something about myself with working out. I am happier. I don't know, I had a brain fart and I was like, oh, I'm going to do Shanti just because it's like in my little thing. Let me just see what this is about. No, I need to go back to lifting. I need to lift. Lifting makes me happy. <laughs> lifting heavy things makes me happier. So um, I think, you know, I did it because I was thinking, oh, well, I'm on the road and this is just an easy way to get in a workout. That's fine. It might work for some people. I need to lift heavy things in order to be happy. So feels good. Yeah. And I, yeah. So that's, so I gotta get back to that, that this week is. So that's the intention for the week is reconnect, reestablish grip in the steel. And what is, what is the first, like, what is your favorite lift? Like you see it on your program and you're like, Oh, today's my day. I love deadlifts. <laughs> I do like leg day is like the best day. And I'm like a big girl, so like leg day for me is like, yes. That's the, day, um, that's the day where you're like, this is gonna suck. Most people don't wanna do it. That's the Monday. That's the yeah. Monday. <laughs> yeah, and just do, like, and I, I look forward to it. Like everyone's like, oh, leg day. And I'm like, I, I like leg day, but. If you just decide that yeah. you wanna crush it and that it's gonna be fun, then it will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, then when I get all of that stuff out of the way, I just feel like I'm freer to then move to opera. Or, you know, I'm trying to, like, I felt like I was not creative with recipes. Like, I'm trying to, like, like compile recipes. I'm making a cookbook. And um, I don't know, something about summer that's, like, not inspiring to me. It's like, okay, just, I don't even like to eat. And, like, I'm, I'm especially living in the heat. It's like, just, I'll just eat fruit. And that's probably not great. But um, I feel less inspired. Like, the fall, now that weather's changing, um, I just get a little more creative. And so when I've gotten all those other things out of the way, I just feel open and like my day is still ahead of me and I can think about rehearsal. I can think about memorizing something. I can think about, um, you know, doing two recipes today and getting through the next 
25 pages in my studying. So I'm wearing lots of little hats, but when you take care of you first, then you can clear out the, the blockage or the noise and then it like leaves room for just whatever is supposed to float in and settle to do so. Mm -hmm. If you are feeling stuck, you got to work out. Yes. Yes, you do. Drink your water. I, I totally agree. Nobody regrets a workout. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have fired me. I think Carolyn's fired me. This is going to be a great week. Uh, yeah, seriously. This is so much fun. Any last words you want to you share for whoever's listening? I mean, I just, I think it's great what you guys are doing and bringing awareness to this. And I hope that there are other um, singers that, you know, other artists that don't subscribe to that archaic way of life. I mean, if your body is healthy, then your instrument will be healthy because your instrument is housed within your body. So just, if it makes you happy, do it. Just be authentically you. Don't get boxed in. Lifting is good. Real <laughs> girls lift heavy. Strength is an asset. Yeah, oh, yeah. Strength is an asset. I think that's going to be a quote for this episode for you. All right. Talise, it's go time for us. But seriously, thank you so much. This has been so much thank fun. Thank you. I'm so happy to know we're like even more connected now. Yes. Valley yes. girls. Yes. Uh, <laughs> will you say, say hi to Sam for me? I will do. I will do. He's uh, in there making a five egg omelet. I can smell it. <laughs> Tell him to go, go for six. <laughs> okay. Bye, Talise. Thank Bye. you. Bye.